Thanks for tuning in to Good Vibrations with Kristen, where humanness meets spirituality. Are you ready to be inspired? Do you want to have a greater connection to the earth, each other, and ultimately yourself? Join in the conversation with Kristen Ace and her fascinating guests to share the light, laughter, and the illumination of Good Vibrations. Stuck inside staring at those same dreary walls? Brighten up a room with a fresh coat of paint. If you don't want to leave the windows open to air out the toxic paint fumes, here's great news. Non-toxic paint supply offers non-toxic, zero VOC paint. It performs as well as the toxic stuff, and you can keep the windows closed. Find much more than paint at nontoxicpaintsupply.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Good Vibrations with Kristen. Today, I have an amazing guest. His name is Chris Grosso. He is the author of The Indie Spiritualist and his new book coming out in October, Everything Mind. And I love that title. Hey, Chris. How are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm great. Thank you for uh, having me on again. Oh, it's my pleasure. I have to tell you something funny. Yes. So Everything Mind. Now, um, when my daughter was little, and I would always say to the kids, oh, what do you want to do? And, and you know, Landon, my son, is very logical. So it's, you know, well, I'm going to have it this way and then this way and then this way. And Miranda would go, I'm going to have an everything store. <laughs> and, Land- uh. and Landon would say, you can't have an everything store. How could you have everything in a store? You have to have it big. It have to be this because his mind works that way. And she would look at him and I would say, honey, you can't tell her what she can't have. If she wants an everything store, she can have an everything store. So I love this title, The Everything Mind. Tell me, can you just give me a little tidbit about it? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Everything Mind, to me, it kind of encapsulates or takes everything. It it considers everything in our lives um, to be part of our spiritual path. And that includes both our triumphs and our heartbreaks, you know, Mm. joys and sufferings, the light and the dark, essentially. Um, and, And it just, you know, honors them as all equally suitable teachers and lessons. Um, I, Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Zen monk, I really, really love his work, and he is uh, often known for saying "No mud, no lotus," um, mm. which to me, you know, I love that because it means that our best selves grow out of our darkest places, you know, our pain right. and our suffering, right. um, which I know we're going to be talking a bit about today. Um, but you know, experiencing life from this place of everything mind, uh, I find it allows us to to begin laying aside our fears, our right or wrong thoughts and emotions, and um, and then it, it allows us to really begin to compassionately and even humorously at times to work with and through all of them and, you know, with an open mind and, and a courageous heart. So that's a little bit about it. Um, I mean, hey, there's that's, much more to it. but Well, that's very well. profound in, in my opinion. Um, well, thank you. Because, and, and our topic today was there's a, there's a saying, pain is the touchstone for all spiritual development. And, mm. and I've been rolling that around in my psyche for a while now and thinking about that and ruminating and looking at my own life. And I know both you and I have, have, um, deeply entered the darkness and experienced that and came out the other side of that profoundly changed, but profoundly awakened. Mm. And so, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. 
do do you think it's absolutely necessary for it to for us to really go into that darkness or is it possible that we can change without such pain sure well I, I I'm so glad we're able to talk about this today because the interesting thing to me is it, it seems like the majority of people I run into on the spiritual path um, are there because of some kind of painful experiences. Some are definitely more painful than others, um, but it's it's often, you know, pain. It's something in our lives that seems to be missing that has brought us there. I just was honored to speak at um, this great conference this past weekend, Sedona World Wisdom Days, mm. and you know, the very interesting thing I, I noticed while I was there was that the majority of the speakers even were talking about some kind of pain in their lives that, um, you know, that created the shift that helped for their awakening. Um, I, literally, like almost all of them, and, and there's some really well-known speakers there. So it was a pretty interesting thing to see that unifying theme. Right. Um, now, on the other hand, though, no, I don't believe it is necessary, you know, for that um, to happen in one's life in order to begin awakening. Um, but, you know, I like, uh, I don't know who said this, but I heard it in one of the recovery 12-step circles that, you know, it said that an addict needs to hit their rock bottom before they can get better. And that's something I really experienced firsthand. Yeah, I did but, too. Right. But the thing I like is that our rock bottom is what we make it, you know, so mm. it doesn't have to be as low as others. I, I definitely hit bottom and then the bottom gave out and I went lower than I imagined I ever would, <laughs> you know, so yeah. that was my path. But, you know, that's me. It, it, it's not the case for everyone. So well, I think, I, I was just going to say, yes. Yeah, so I think it is definitely possible to have spiritual awakenings without that for sure. Because <clears throat> I'm wondering with all of the, and, and this for me, I'm thinking on a, on a huge energetic level, I'm wondering if all of us who've gone before, so all of the spiritual leaders who've gone before you and I, and we're coming up into our own leadership in the spiritual or in the awakening, I'm wondering if what we've brought can shift the paradigm for those coming behind us so that they don't have to experience that darkness, but they can maybe pick it up from the teachers and say, that's not that's not what I want my experience to be, and the wisdom that's being filtered down now through all of our experiences can raise that vibration. I, I mean, yes. I, that's really. I, I have I've been actually arguing with people about it, saying it doesn't have to be, and then I think, does it have to be that way, or doesn't it? So <laughs> you know, and like you said, all these people talking about it uh, as as their awakening was this this darkness. Right. So I, yeah, like I was saying, I don't think that it has to be the case. Um, something to take into consideration though, is that, you know, like the Buddha taught in his first noble truth is that if you've taken a human birth, no matter what, you are bound to experience pain and suffering. in life. Yes. That's just part of the human condition. So even if you don't go down a road of whatever addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, even if you don't go down that road of addiction, you're still going to have your share of pain and suffering in life. That's mm. just what we deal with. Um, Ram Das, one of my favorite quotes from him, he says, suffering is the sandpaper of our incarnation. It does its job <laughs> of shaping us. So, you know, and he's not saying that to addicts. He's saying that to every human being. You know? So right. there, yeah, so there is, it's not that we need to uh, to run away from that pain or suffering, and that was 
in my own life, part of what kept me sick for many yes. years and kept me in that cycle of relapse is that I wasn't willing to touch those places within that held that pain and held that wreckage of my past. Right. Now, again, that's speaking from an addict's perspective. But even if you're not an addict, we all have some kind of stuff. You know, it's just it's in there. So it's a matter of touching that and working with that. But no, it doesn't need to get, you know, very heavy, very dark for people at all. I don't I don't believe that's the case. I do believe it's what has been the case for most people up until now. Right. Um, not all, but many. Um, but no, I think I think you're onto something. I think that, yes, if we start doing the work and we kind of give our stories to people and show where our pitfalls were, how we managed to pull ourselves out, then yes, hopefully we can help people alleviate some of that out of their lives. I mean, that's a big part of my work is trying to help people not have to go down the road yes. I went through. Yeah, me too. That that's yeah. a, I mean, that's exactly what the show is about. So that right. so that I'm hoping that will echo out. And for me, I it's interesting. My daughter is turning out to be this huge teacher and mirror for me because like you, all the pain that I experienced, I just drank it away and drugged it away until that wasn't making it go away anymore and I had to just deal with it. But right. for her, her and and this is also what's brought me to this question, she's living in a world that I I would have you know, that I fantasized about when I was young, you know, surrounded by love and support and encouragement. And there's, there's no lack at all right. in her life. Yet she is experiencing these deep, tumultuous emotions and pain and separateness feelings. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to make it go away for her. And I, you know, I keep trying to make it go away, make it go away. And in reality, she's needing to feel it. Yeah. And hopefully she won't have to, and she is feeling it and she expresses it through her art and she expresses it through her poetry, which I didn't have those things available to me when I was going through my pain. Um, but she's, she's feeling it. And, mm. and it's interesting to me to see um, the mirror, but also be unbelievably uncomfortable with her feeling like she needs to have that pain in her life. And that, that's what brought me up with, brought me to that. Do we have to have that? I mean, my God, I couldn't, when she first started really having some trouble, I thought, why, how could she be sad? She's got parents who love her. She's got friends. She's got all the things I didn't have that I worked laboriously to create a home of, of love and encouragement and support. So, right, right. but there she is in this deep, deep pain. And I yeah. thought, God, does she have to have that to move up to her next level of enlightenment? Because she's a very, both my kids are crystal children. So that's, that's the other thing that brought me to, is this necessary? Mm. And, and I know you have a daughter, so I don't know if, if that's been your experience with your daughter. Right. So she's seven turning eight this year. So she is still very much in the, uh, you know, her own magical world. Yeah, the um, rainbow world. Exactly. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm, my, my wife and I, Jen, we're, we're seeing, you know, that start to change a little bit as she's coming into eight. You know, she's definitely becoming more aware of others, people, and seeing, you know, the empathetic qualities um, in her starting to, to grow. So... I'm sure I will be coming across that soon, but no, for, for now we've 
really it's <laughs> she's in her world of my little ponies mm. and uh and actually, it, she just learned about The Simpsons, which my wife and I are so excited about because we're big fans. But that's a side <laughs> note. So, yes, I have not had that experience. But, you know, I will say that um, I, prior to doing this writing thing, I worked um, as an assistant site director for a before and after school enrichment program mm. for five years with, that, with elementary school kids. And as well, on the site, I was also doing one-on-one youth mentoring with kids ages 5 to 18, and I did see a lot of that. Um, I mean, the youth mentoring, that was because I was working with kids that were in the system in the state of Connecticut. So they came from troubled backgrounds. Right. But aside from that, at the schools I would work at, you know, it wasn't the case with all kids. But, um, yeah, it was definitely, especially in more like the fifth graders, you know, as yeah. they were getting older. Yeah, that's um, where it and started. One, right, right. And, and the ones, for all intents and purposes, would seemingly, at least at face value, be coming from what looked like a, you know, a loving, compassionate family. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's just, it's part of the human experience. You know, as we grow up, we're going to, like I said, we're going to experience pain and, um, you know, and it can be caused by so many different things. Just the process of becoming a teenager into an adult, you know, that process is a, can be a painful one, mm-hmm. um, you know, on many different levels. And then spiritual awakening, even if you come to the path and you weren't brought there from some kind of, you know, awful experience in your life, the process of spiritual awakening is painful at times. You know, right. it's not just this blissed out love and light thing. And that's that's part of what I talk about in, in Everything Mind, is that when you're awakening, it, it can be a difficult experience, you know, because you're, as you meditate or whatever practices you do, it starts to shift or pull you away from that strict identification with our ego physical right. self that we've been so in you know just believing to be ourselves so you know it's, that has been strongly ingrained in us for our whole lives so that one little thing in and of itself will cause pain you know it's just it, it's inevitable but I, I think the trick is you know what do we do with the pain when it arises how do we work with it um, do we let it consume us or do we take the proactive approach and and handle it skillfully, or as skillfully right. as possible at the <laughs> moment that we can. Right, because I thought I was handling mine very skillfully <laughs> with sure. all the alcohol I was consuming. Right. And that was what was that was what I felt was my solution until another solution became available in my consciousness. Right. But I think for me, when I when my spiritual journey began, um, and I think. I'd always, I've always had those guides and all of that stuff coming through, but I, I did blot it out for a long time. But when they started coming through, even through the alcohol, I think for me what was, was so challenging was being connected to the world and feeling everything that the world was feeling. So I would walk – I was with a girlfriend once walking down the street in New York City, and I was just sick to my stomach, and she said, what's going on? I said – I feel people's souls literally move through my body. So I can tell what's going on with every person who walks by me. It's like their whole body just moves through mine. And she said, oh, how cool. And I was like, no, it's absolutely bleeping terrifying because I'm feeling everybody's pain. Now, I also get to feel their joy. But it's interesting to me that the joy at that time was less prevalent. Now, I think that that has shifted as well. But maybe coming into consciousness on that higher plane, you are connected to all that energy out there. And that can be overwhelming. 
Right. I, I've had that experience as well. You know, and I know some people, when they hear talk about this, they start to think, oh, it's a little woo-woo. But it's a very real thing. You know? It is. It's, it's, the, the one thing that, that never, that, that cannot be destroyed is energy, you know, and everything right. is literally energy. So some people are just a little more in tune with it, and not necessarily just spiritual people. I mean, there are just people who have no interest in spirituality, however, deeply feel things, you know, right. so it's not just a spiritual quality. Um, but yeah, because I, I noticed that ever since I was, Christ, even before a teenager, yep, I felt others' pain very mm-hmm. deeply, right? So, mm-hmm. and it's not fun. And the interesting thing you said that I totally resonated with was I felt the pain way more than I felt the joy in others for <sighs> whatever reason. But Yes, and to this day, I still do. You know, when someone's in pain, I feel it very deeply in my heart. After I spoke in Sedona, I had a number of people come up and talk to me about, you know, their own heartbreaking experiences, Mm -hmm. and that takes a lot out of me. Like, I'm so grateful to do that, but my goodness, like, I I feel it, like, so heavily. Like, when they're crying, like, I have to fight my tears, you know, from from crying, And but, you know, I still feel it at a very deep heart level. So. right. Um, but at the same time, I'm grateful that I, you know, I can connect with people like that. Now, it would be awesome if I could connect with joy in the same way. I do feel <laughs> others' joy, and, and that's, you know, that's contagious too. But not as deeply as is the the pain, which is weird. I'm gonna have to look deeper into that now that we're discussing it. Yeah, that's and that's why this topic is has been causing me. Um, it's been making me uncomfortable because I think that it, I just. Want maybe because I want it to be different so badly. I I want to get up and walk out and feel, you know, when I'm on my own, I'm out in my backyard or I'm in my yard and I'm in my garden and I'm feeling earth on that level and I'm just, I'm literally delirious with joy. And then I walk into town and I go, kablam, kablam, kablam. <gasps> and yeah. I'm, by the time I get home, <laughs> I'm not delirious with joy anymore. Yeah. And I think... Yeah. Wow, does it have to be that? Does it right. does it have to be that? And maybe it's just an expunging of because I do know that all of these paradigms are breaking down, and there is a lot of fear around that. And maybe, and maybe it's just an expunging of that age old sorrow, so that mm-hmm. we can pull in the more joyous energies. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think it's just part of our process. You know, each each of us awakens in our own way. You know, mm-hmm. it's a uniquely individual process. Um, I believe that at least. And so, you know, we all just need to go through what we need to go through. And some of it, you know, is more joyful. Some of it is not. But um, as I was saying earlier, I, you know, I think it's all equally suitable, or it's you know, it's all an equally suitable teacher for us if we if we do what you're doing and what we're doing right now and explore it rather than just kind of you know let it go by like oh okay that's interesting but you know <laughs> taking a little time and, and looking at these things in our lives and and trying to make a bit of sense of them some things can't be made sense of or right now at least right they, they can't and further down the road in retrospect we might understand but you know as, as long as we're mindful of what's happening doing what we can do to understand to the best of our ability and to work with it, again, as skillfully as we can. That way we're able to take care of ourselves, but take care of ourselves so that we can help take care of others in the process. Yes. You know, that's something I try to, to really emphasize to people that um, I, I know for me, for many years, I was the kind of person who always put myself last. Yes. And I still have a tendency to do that, but I'm aware of it. 
uh, but you know, trying to, to make sure others were okay first. What I learned about that was part of that was just so I didn't have to look at my own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, not meaning my intention was, was not good, but, you know, there was an ulterior motive in that. And so today I recognize that, and I recognize that, you know, I need to learn to really love myself and have self-compassion mm-hmm. so I can also, you know, share that with others in a very sincere way. So, um, yeah, that, that's something I would just, you know, make a make a little recommendation to anyone who's listening is don't forget to take care of yourself in the process and, and you know, on every level, mental, spiritual, physical, yes. and emotional. Yeah, that's been a, a message I keep just throwing out there that mm-hmm. the more we love ourselves, the more we learn to be able to to love everything else outside of us. And I love how you said um, the light and the dark of our experiences, all of that needs to be um, embraced because yeah. because it is part of of who we are in this particular aspect of humanity. You right. know, someday... I, I do believe in utopia or a, sure. I do believe in it, but until we're there, you're right to embrace that we've had this darkness or we've had these feelings of sorrow and, and to, and I do also believe looking back on it is way easier because I could never have made sense of my childhood, my teenhood, never in a million years while I was in the middle right. of it. But looking back on it today, I understand the process of that experience and where it took me. Yeah. And that, I think that brings people into hope. So you can say it may not make sense right now, but it, but it will move you into something um, that will be hopefully more, more light, light filled. Yeah. And to just, you know, to, in those experiences, just to do the best that we can, but recognize our best is going to be different every day. Right. And in that recognition, <laughs> yeah. and with that, cultivating compassion for ourselves in the process, being learning to be more gentle with ourselves. You know, that's been extremely difficult for me and something mm. I can definitely still struggle with. But, mm-hmm. you know, I found that that's some of the greatest work I've at least had to do. Um, you know, we're, we're for at least most of us, uh, seem to be our, our worst critics, you know, and, yes. and I know that's definitely the case for me. And, and I wrote a little about that in, in my first book and how I find it so interesting that we, we I'll speak for myself, I allow myself sometimes to talk to myself in such a negative way. Mm-hmm. Yet if I heard, if even if it was a stranger, if I heard a stranger talking to another stranger saying even half of what yes. I allow my, myself to say to myself, I would say something to them. I right. would step in. Right. That's not cool. <laughs> you can't but, talk about that. Right, and I don't care if I know them or not. You can't do that. That's not okay. Right, Yet, right. My, yeah, I allow it to happen in, in my own headspace. So, right. you know, that's, again, something that I've, I've had to learn to be vigilant with, and that's part of the healing process. And, again, doing the best I can each day. It's gotten so much better, but there are still days where I suck and, and I feed into it and I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, just garbage. And uh, and so, you know, I have a bad day, and then I, the next day is here, and I do myself the do my best to pick myself back up and, and, uh, and again, just try to be gentle with myself in the process, you know, progress, not perfection. That's absolutely. Well, I love that. I I identify a lot with what you say. It seems like we definitely have are on a very parallel road because I do the same thing and I realize, Oh, I'm being hard on other people outside of myself because that's how hard I am on myself. Like Uh, there's this, like, 
you didn't get that right and you should have moved that over and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, why did you react that way? And, you sh- and then I go, oh, my God. I mean, I'm, I thought I would be exhausted if I actually listen to half of what I say to myself. So I literally have to turn it around. I have to find a new thought. I was having a problem this morning and instead of feeding into what my brain was telling me, I said, okay, I'm going to write a little tweet about hope. I'm going to do this little thing over here. I know I get to talk to Chris Grasso today. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to turn off the ego part of me that tells me I'm not enough. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to trust the divine to move me where I need to go. But that has taken me years of constant vigilance um, to do that. And, and, and the process of the pain as I just don't want the pain anymore. So I, I'll just like, and since I found a different solution, which is the spiritual solution, I really run to that now. Like, okay. And I love what you said about, you know, looking, looking to that guidance from, from the divine, because, you know, that's something um, that's been so important to me and something that I found, you know, since it was about three and a half years ago, since that my final relapse um, that, literally almost took my life but Mm. you know after coming out of that that brokenness um and complete emptiness and hopelessness Mm. i started you know after i kind of picked myself back up which took quite a while but after i did i started making this prayer every morning or aspiration and i still do it to this day um i mean there might be a day here and there where i forget but almost every day i think i say i have about a 99 percent average on, on making this happen but i just simply say each morning before i meditate Something to the effect of, you know, I, I pray to, I, I say God, but when I say God, it could mean spirit or right, Christ right. consciousness, Buddha mind, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it is what it is. But I just say something to the effect of, you know, I ask for help in laying my small ego self aside as much as possible so that I can make way for, you know, a deeper guidance mm-hmm. to to guide me through my day. And in that, that it would help me to be of service to others in yes. some way. Now. You know, I, I'm usually back in the driver's seat about 30 seconds after making that <laughs> aspiration, but the intention is real, you know, and I find that at, throughout the day, I, I remember that and I come back to that and it helps me just, you know, kind of check myself and, yeah. uh, and, and see how am I doing today with, with that. And, and, uh, you know, it's, again, it's a practice, but I do find that, that making that pretty much every day, that aspiration has, has been incredible in my life and it's worked wonders you know just it takes 10 seconds in the morning but you know truly great stuff comes from it wow well uh, that is an incredible practice and and with your practice we have to close the show so i want to thank you so much for bringing out these pearls of wisdom for our audience in the world at large to Mm -hmm. pick up on and thank you for your time and oh, for sure. I'm very excited about your new book, and I'll have right. all of your information on the blog and, and how people can reach out and know more about you, because I know they'll want to. Um, I appreciate it. And, and, and thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Chris, and it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And thanks for your candor and vulnerability uh, with what you share, too. It means a lot. I appreciate it. Wow, thank you. All right. Cool. All right, everybody. Well, Chris certainly gave all of us incredible pearls of wisdom and compassion and, and a great practice, 10 seconds in the morning to open yourself up to the divine. It will shift your day. 
even if you, like Chris says, get back in the driver's seat, you can always move over because the spirit is on your side. Okay? So have a great day out there, and I love you. We hope that you found this episode of GVK inspiring. And to raise your vibration even higher, visit my website at goodvibrationswithkristen.com. And don't forget to like Good Vibrations with Kristen on Facebook. What inspires you? Write us. Let us know so we can share your ideas on the show. And meanwhile, keep listening, keep connecting, and know that you are divinely guided.